The Graphic Histories Podcast. that time again and that time again is the graphic histories podcast my name is andre mayette i'm your host big thanks to the mock for the theme song super powers and big thanks to you gentle listener for tuning in once again to our show hopefully you got a chance to listen to last week's episode in which i had a sit down interview with uh dave hallett uh manager of strange adventures in halifax creator of the makers slamorama artist on paper route and uh, several other kind of indie books from the area really enjoy their conversation. Dave and I have a lot in common, so it was kind of cool to, to finally sit and get a chance to talk with them. Uh, prior to that, I was pointing out some of the posters behind them and, uh, we, at the beginning of the interview, and we talked about Prophecy, which is a uh, 80s, I think, horror movie about a mutant bear basically attacking people in the woods. Uh, Dave you know, said it's a lot of fun. Uh, him and, him, his and I uh, kind of taste the line when it comes to old horror movies. Quite a bit, so I thought, eh, I'm going to go check that out when I get a chance. And thankfully, I was in Halifax on the weekend, and I managed to track down a copy and pick it up. I haven't had a chance to watch it yet, but I'm very excited to watch it. So if you need a closure on that prophecy part of our conversation, uh, you have it now. Uh, I mean, if you need full closure when I see it, I can give you a further update later on. However, I don't know if you need that. Just You'll know in your heart when I've watched it. You'll feel it. <laughs> you'll feel it deep, deep in your loins. When you know that I have watched Prophecy on Blu-ray. <laughs> uh, yeah, that interview was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I could have talked to Dave all night, but uh, you know we do have to cap it at some point. So I was glad to uh, get that conversation in and and uh, talk about all the different things going on in his world and, and uh, just you know get, get a good feel for who he is as a person for you, the listener. So I think we've achieved that. I think it was you know who Dave is. By now, I hope so. I know I certainly learned a lot, for sure. Uh, one thing I did mention before that interview as well was that the Snyder Cut had dropped and I hadn't had a chance to watch it. Well, dear listener, I can tell you that I have since watched it. Uh, and I'm quite surprised I really, really liked it. Like, really liked it. It's really good. And I told a friend, I said, I, I, I don't necessarily like the road to get here. But I like here. You know, I wasn't a big fan of Man of Steel. I wasn't a mess. I really didn't like Batman vs Superman. Uh, maybe I should give the director's cut a try because maybe you know, with more stuff in there, it fleshed it out more. I don't know. But I, I didn't enjoy it very much. But this this version of the movie, I really liked. Um, it's epic. It uh, tonally, it's consistent. Uh, it's amazing special effects. Uh, so any of the updates, like uh, Stephen Wolf, for instance, looks way cooler. Um, and some of the extended sequences really gave a lot of uh, breath, a lot of weight to some of the characters and their backstories. Victor Stone specifically. <coughs> um, specifically Victor Stone, uh, Cyborg, his, his part in it was 
way fleshed out. You got a really interesting arc with him uh, that plays goes full forward to the end of the movie. Like I didn't, I liked the, the just Joss Whedon's version of it. I liked the things he added. I liked the brighter color palette. I liked a hopeful, happy Superman, which you didn't really get in this, which you know I'm still not getting. But I don't know. Like it's as far as an epic superhero tale goes, um, it was really well done. The only thing that I didn't enjoy was there's a little stinger kind of... I don't want to um, spoil anything, but if you watch Batman vs. Superman, you're familiar with the nightmare sequence, uh, which is sort of the dream sequence in which Batman sees the future when Apocalypse takes over Earth and all that sort of stuff. So they do go back to that near near the end of this film, and uh, I think it could have done without it. It seemed like a bit like bit too deep a fan service to me. I don't think you needed Jared Leto's Joker kind of wedged in there. Um, and I'm sorry if I spoiled that for you. I, I really didn't mean to, uh, but it has been all over the internet, so I think it'd be hard to avoid. But yeah, like it just—I just didn't think it was necessary. Um, I don't—I've heard th- things that DC is going to make a decision if they haven't already about whether the Snyder Cut will continue on as the official canon movie, or they'll let Snyder do more stuff. I don't know if that's going to happen. I do hope that you know. After seeing this, I do kind of hope that they let him. Uh, I really enjoyed it, and I think it'd be interesting to see kind of where things would go. I mean, DC is sort of establishing a multiverse of films, so, you know, and, and they're doing Flashpoint, they're crossing universes and doing all this fun multiversal stuff with the TV show. I know Ezra Miller made a cameo as The Flash on the Flash TV show in a Crisis of Earth sort of thing. So, you know, if they can do all that, why not? Why can't Snyder keep making these movies? If they have such an epic feel as um, this one did, I, I would happily watch more. So... You know, I was a vocal uh, proponent, or sorry, uh, opponent of some of his style before, and I've liked his films. I'm looking forward to Army of the Dead. Uh, I loved his Dawn of the Dead. I, I liked 300. I didn't particularly care for Sucker Punch, um, but and I liked Watchmen. I actually did like Watchmen. But uh, yeah, I just feel as though. Yeah, I, my opinion of him has turned around a bit because this his uh, fully kind of realized epic. Um, has been really good, really good. And I know people are like, well, this is what it should have been from the start. I don't think you can fully say that because, you know, he made this movie after the, the Joss Whedon film had come out. And, you know, he certainly, not, nothing is in a vacuum. So he certainly was probably subtly influenced about retooling this movie based on opinions and things that had worked and didn't work in the, the Joss Whedon version. So, you know, would if he had just made his movie without Whedon to begin with, would this version have been as good? Who knows? We'll never know. So, you know, to discount one over the other, I don't know, I think is necessary. However, I do feel as though tonally this is a superior film. It's long, but it doesn't feel that way either. And it was nice seeing a lot of the, the, uh, the side characters that didn't really get as much attention. Get it. And uh, the soundtrack is uh, really good. Like, the songs that are added in are awesome. I, I quite a bit of music. Nick Cave shows up, which is one of my favorite bands. Nick Cave and the Bad Seats. And, uh, yeah, it's it's good. It's good if you haven't seen it, man. I'd suggest it. Put aside four hours of your life and uh, watch it. It's a truly epic superhero film. I'm a huge fan of the New Gods and Dark Side. So seeing Dark Side in action, uh, seeing a much more alien-looking Steppenwolf uh, seeing an epic sort of confrontation that could will lead to future stuff with Apocalypse was exciting to me, and I kind of hope I get to see more of it, which is very surprising to me, gentle listener. 
So likely surprising to you as well. Anyway, uh, so let's enough rambling on with my review of the Snyder Cut. I actually also watched the first episode of Falcon Winter Soldier, which I thoroughly liked as well. I don't see why people need to compare DC to Marvel. This is better. That is better. They're different. They're different things. They get different feelings. They provide different emotions. They target different parts of what you see from, from film and cinema and television. And I don't think one needs to be better than the other. They all can be enjoyed, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. I'm very excited to see where they go with it. I'm a big Baron Zemo fan, so seeing him come down the line is cool. John Walker, his version of the U.S. agent, uh, is going to be interesting. Uh, I'm excited. I think it's it's all good. It's a, I've always said it's a great time to be a comic fan, and it's even better right now. So tune in. Watch all that stuff. But if you want to get some insight on some of these characters that are popping up, well, now is your chance with the Graphic Histories podcast. Uh, several characters that are popping up in Falcon Winter Soldier have had previous episodes. Baron Zemo, uh, the U.S. agent, they're all in there. So make sure you listen and learn about the comic book origins of some of these new TV and film characters that you enjoy so much. Uh, right on. So uh, without much further ado, let's go into today's episode. Today's episode is about a Spider-Man character, the Prowler, who started as a somewhat villain, went on to become a hero, and then some. There are many versions of the Prowler. Uh, well, not many, but a few. The predominant one which we're focusing on today is Hobie Brown and other people within the 616 Marvel Universe proper. Uh, we won't be delving into Aaron uh, Aaron Davis, I think is his last name, who is, <laughs> that's not good to not know that right offhand, uh, who is the uncle of the Miles Morales Spider-Man and in the Ultimate Universe was the Prowler and I believe in the video game also was the Prowler and was the Prowler in the Edge of Spider-Verse game as well. Or movie. So, uh, did I say Edge of Spider-Verse? That's the comic book. Is it? Enter uh, this <laughs> into the Spider-Verse, yes. So the Spider-Man in the Spider-Verse movie, that version was also kind of based around that version. But this will be the original, the OG, Hobie Brown, The Prowler. Hobart Hobie Brown is the original iteration of The Prowler. Born in the Bronx, New York, he was a bright but angry African-American teenager who got fired from his window-washing job. Intending to use his engineering skills for personal profit, he devised a plan to steal items while disguised as a supervillain and then return said items as Hobie. Donning his green and purple Prowler costume for the first time, Hobie set out to rob the payroll office of the Daily Bugle, figuring that they would garner him quick publicity. However, he was caught in the act by Peter Parker. While struggling with Parker, he drew editor J. Jonah Jameson's attention. Parker, with no way to defeat the Prowler without giving away his own secret identity, contrived to get thrown through a window during the struggle and used spider powers to save himself once outside. Traumatized by the events, the shaken Hobie made his escape to the building's roof, only to be confronted by Spider-Man. The wall crawler vanquished and unmasked Hobie, but realized he was just a misunderstood kid, much like Peter once was. So instead of handing him over to the police... He advised him to rethink his life. Hobie took Spider-Man's advice to heart and gave up his criminal ways. He later impersonated Spider-Man at the hero's request, Spider-Man wearing a webbing mask to convince Peter's friends that Parker was not Spider-Man, after Peter confessed the truth while suffering delirium due to the flu, thus creating the impression that Parker had merely been confused. Hobie was convinced that Spider-Man was involved somehow in police captain George Stacy's death and unsuccessfully tried to bring Spider-Man to justice. 
Brown eventually married his love, Mindy S. McPherson, and settled down into a career as a construction worker. Hobie began to look after his little brother, Manuel Manny Lopez, as part of the Big Brother program. When Manny was murdered, Prowler believed that White Tiger, Hector Alia, was responsible and attempted to bring Hector to justice. Prowler attempted to join the superhero group The Defenders, only be tossed into the harbor by Valkyrie, at which point he decided to retire his identity. However, his Prowler equipment is later stolen by a cat burglar to commit crimes for fashion criminal Belladonna. Hobie was eager to join the search for the thieves, but Spider-Man insisted that he stay home so he would not get into trouble, since the second Prowler had committed a felony murder. When the second Prowler was subsequently defeated by Spider-Man, the stolen equipment was returned to Mr. Brown. Prowler later appeared in California during Peter Webb's book deal. He is first seen attacking the black fox, Raoul Chambers, for possession of a chalice in order to keep Mindy out of prison. Mindy accepted a bookkeeping job at Transcorp New York. The company was caught in some shady stock deals and Mindy was set up to be blamed for the crimes. Seeing it as the only way to clear Mindy's name, Hobie redonned his Prowler costume and found the books which Mindy had been blamed for stealing. He hid the books on information chip and put that information chip on the chalice, where no one would look for it. Prowler and Spider-Man then teamed up to take on the Black Fox in order to regain possession of the chalice. Hobie vindicated his wife of stock fraud charges with the help of Spider-Man and the Black Fox. Prowler later attempted to vindicate Spider-Man of a crime and first encountered Silver Sable in the Outlaws, including rehabilitated villains like Sandman, Rocket Racer, and the Puma. His safety designs were stolen by Justin Hammer. Hobie proved the design flaws during an encounter with Hammer's hirelings. Prowler fought Black Tiger, a.k.a. his brother Abraham Brown of the Sons of the Tiger, as an initiation test for Silver Sable. Brown joined with Spider-Man and the Outlaws against the Avengers and the Space Phantom. Hobie was subsequently hired, along with the Outlaws, to retrieve a Simcarian nuclear device in England. Prowler then formally joined the Outlaws to rescue the kidnapped daughter of a Canadian official. His costume and equipment were later stolen by Nightcreeper, and Prowler battled him and the Vulture to get them back. After those events, Hobie was paralyzed during the Great Game. In follow-up appearances, he began regaining the movement of his paralyzed limbs. Evidence suggests that his paralysis was more a result of mental rather than physical damage, as he was feeling frustrated over the recent theft of his costume. Eventually regaining full mobility while recovering, Brown provided Spidey with a jetpack, used when assuming the Hornet identity during the Identity Crisis storyline. Prowler was captured by S.H.I.E.L.D. in Ms. Marvel's Civil War tie-in. Escaping incarceration, he attended the wake for Stiltman, Wilbur Day, along with many other villains and former villains. Prowler narrowly escaped injury as Spider-Man and Puma escorted him from the wake shortly before it was bombed by the Punisher. When Peter Parker elevated Parker Industries into a global franchise, with Spider-Man officially acting as a bodyguard as part of the all-new, all-different Marvel branding, Hobie Brown is hired to act as Spider-Man in situations where the public would expect to see Peter and Spider-Man in the same place. Following the fight against Zodiac's Pisces sect, Peter tells Hobie to change into his Prowler costume, and that they'll retrieve the webware together before Zodiac and does his encryption. Before the clone conspiracy storyline and crossover, wanting to know more about new U technologies, Peter sent Prowler to infiltrate the organization. He ended up encountering the new Electro, Francine Fry. Prowler was chased around by Electro and was accidentally killed. In the aftermath, Dr. Rita Clarkson took Spider-Man to where some people that were subjected to the new U technologies treatment were being held. The Prowler was among these people, as it turned out that he was not killed by Electro, but survived after being placed in cryo-regeneration. Julia Carpenter later talks to the real Prowler, who had just emerged from cryosleep, and tells him about his clone's heroic actions. More on this later.
Hobie is then seen talking to Peter about his future, wondering which direction he will take. He then heads home, where he is last seen conflicted about his own identity. Hobie's next attacks the Feast Center, which is reestablished by May Parker. He tells Spider-Man that he was investigating a crowdfunding group called Fair Gray Pay after he funneled some money to help a sick friend, which never reached him, and broke into the center since it's almost wholly funded by that group. He and Spider-Man break into the company's head office with help from Marnie, Peter's neighbor, also known as The Rumor. After intense battle, Spider-Man, Prowler, and The Rumor escape with help from Captain America. Prowler is left in his home after being knocked out from the fight. He later wakes up to find that Spider-Man managed to defeat the head of Fair Grey Pay with help from Iron Man, who bought the company and turned into a division of Stark Unlimited. During their conversation, Prowler is offered a job as the new head of Fair Grey Pay, which he quickly accepts. The second Prowler. At one point, Belladonna, Narda Ravana, stole Hobie Brown's costume and equipped and hired a cat burglar that Spider-Man fought a long time ago to become the new Prowler. During one of his crimes, Prowler accidentally kills a guard. Furthermore, the witnesses see his silhouette profile and believe Spider-Man to be implicated in the murder. Eventually, Spider-Man captures both Belladonna and the Prowler, clear both his and the original Prowler's name, and returns Hobie's stolen equipment. This Prowler is later seen at the bar with no name, attending Stoatman's wake, and calls himself the second Prowler. He has a brief fight with the original Prowler at Stoatman's funeral. Sometime after the original Prowler leaves, the Punisher poisons the guest drinks and blows the place sky high. It is later mentioned that the villains involved all had to get their stomachs pumped and were treated for third-degree burns, indicating the second Prowler may still be alive. Rick Lawson is the third incarnation of the Prowler. A medical intern, he was presented when Hobby Brown was b brought into hospital due to a back injury. The costume was partially cut away to conceal Hobie's superhero identity, but his friends were willing to risk moving him due to his back injury, leading to Lawson finding a portion of the costume that was left unattended and deducing Hobie's identity. After finding Hobie's address from his medical files, Lawson steals a replica of the Prowler costume, using new tech to both rob patients in the ICU and get revenge on those who had wronged him in the past, such as a construction foreman who fired him when needing the job to complete medical school. He has an encounter with the Vulture, who seeks revenge against the original Prowler and nearly kills him, but Spider-Man interferes and defeats Adrian Toomes. Afterwards, Lawson is taken to the hospital and the Prowler costume is returned to Hobie, who is still recovering from paralysis. The fourth incarnation of the Prowler is a clone of Hobie Brown, as seen in the Clone Conspiracy storyline. The Jackal cloned Hobie with all of his memories apparently intact. After learning about the Jackal's mission, Prowler became loyal to him and started acting as a spy to find out what Parker Industries was up to. It is revealed that this Prowler is a clone that Jackal had gathered to grow clones with false memories that span all the way to their deaths. After stopping a bank robbery that a clone of Madame Webb foresaw, Prowler returns to New Year Technologies to stop a fight between clones of Jack-O-Lantern, Kangaroo, Massacre, Mirage, Montana, and Tarantula. Jackal reminds Hobie that Hobie was brought back to keep the reanimated supervillains in line and that Hobie is wanted to warn when he leaves the building so his technology does not go out into the world. Knowing how annoying it is to be stuck in the same location, Jackal assigns Hobie to take care of a potential hacker in San Francisco. When Hobie goes to get more information on the hacker from Madame Webb, he is told that of seeing buildings filled with agony that cannot escape. After confronting his killer, Electro, Prowler figures out Madame Webb's precognition and goes to Alcatraz, where he sets off a trap and gets caught in the process. Hobie wakes up in a cell in Alcatraz and discovers that the hacker is Julia Carpenter, who had been using the Shroud's leftover technology to investigate new U technologies. Hobie angers Julia by severing a connection from looking more into new U technologies. Back at the company, the villains are getting out of control, so Jackal sends Electro to find Prowler to put under check again. 
Julia senses that Madame Webb is alive from telepathic feedback resulting from Electra's attack. Parler then tells Julia that new technologies is accomplished and tries to get Julia to join them, but refuses and escapes in a puff of black smoke. Prowler's body then starts failing due to not taking his new you pills for an extended period of time as he questions what he's doing with his life. He's then confronted by Electro. Prowler tries to escape Electro's wrath and Alcatraz, which proves difficult with Electro's powers and his dying body. Using his weapons, the gift shop, and his strategic thinking, Prowler manages to defeat the single-minded Electro. When he makes it outside, he's found by Julia, taking him on a boat and heads towards New Year Technologies to get his New You pills. When Spider-Man and Spider-Woman of Earth-65 are escaping from New Year Technologies, Prowler helped the two out by diverting the clone villains to another part of the city. Julia helps Prowler break into the New Year Technologies and takes Prowler to his room to get his pills. When the Jackal orders the villains in the Haven part of New Year Technologies to kill Spider-Man, Prowler works with Spider-Man to fight the villains off. When the alarm goes off and all the clones start breaking down from clone degeneration, Prowler leaves Haven and tries to find the individual set off the system that has been killing the clones. Prowler accuses Julia of being the culprit. He tries to fight and Julia is left with no choice but to fight back, knocking him down as Prowler's body continues deteriorating. The clone assists Gene DeWolf's clone in helping Spider-Man get away from the villains. During the final battle, Prowler and DeWolf battle the villains outside. Hobie's body is rapidly decaying, but the two receive assistance from Gwen Stacy of Earth-65 and Kane Parker. Gwen leaves Hobie in an alley when he proves too weak to continue, and he's found by the murderous Electro. Julia arrives and fends off Electro, as Hobie is told that Spider-Man stabilized the human and clone cells. When Electro gets the upper hand in Julia, Prowler sacrifices himself to stop Electro, and dies in Julia's arms. Kane later tells Spider-Man that the clones of Prowler and Jean died while fighting the villains. Sometimes a friend, sometimes a foe, more often a friend. One thing is for certain, as long as there's a Spider-Man, there'll be a Prowler, and Hobie Brown will always be, in his heart of hearts, a hero. There you have it, the graphic history of Hobart Brown, also known as Hobie Brown, a.k.a. The Prowler. Um, next week, I will be discussing Steppenwolf to uh, keep going on this high of the Snyder Cut Justice League. Uh, we'll be discussing the new god sort of enforcer, uh, Servant of Darkseid, and his comic book history that has led him to his depiction in the Snyder Cut and Joss Whedon cuts of Justice League which is pretty cool. Like He's a cool character, and I really liked how they depicted him in the, the Snyder Cut. It's a lot better, I thought. So, uh, Tune in next week to enjoy that. But in the meantime, enjoy this new weather. Uh, and by new weather, I mean warmer weather. It's been nicer up here. I'm not sure wherever you are in the world, but hopefully the weather is nice as well. Seems like we're getting into spring. I managed to throw up my back at the gym. Never done this before. It really hurts, so I'm uh, staggering along. I feel like I'm getting a little better, so we'll see how that goes. But in the meantime, enjoy your week. I'll catch you next time where we learn all about New God and Denison of Apocalypse, Steppenwolf. Catch you next time.